Well, I invite you to take your Bibles and to turn with me to the book of Zechariah. Zechariah will first read the, the opening seven verses. And if you have the same Bible as me, it's page 1472. Near the end of the Old Testament. So the prophet Zechariah is prophesying to the the group of Israelites who have returned to Jerusalem and they have just started rebuilding the temple. They've rebuilt their own houses and now they've started to build their own temple and that's the time that Zechariah is prophesying to the people. Let's first of all read the first seven verses. In the eighth month of the year of second year of Darius, the word of the Lord came to the prophet Zechariah, son of Berechiah, son of Iddo, The Lord was very angry with your forefathers. Therefore, tell the people, this is what the Lord Almighty says. Return to me, declares the Lord Almighty, and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. Do not be like your forefathers, to whom the earlier prophets proclaimed. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Turn from your evil ways and your evil practices. But they would not listen or pay attention to me, declares the Lord. Where are your forefathers now? And the prophets, do they live forever? But did not my words and my decrees, which I commanded my servants, the prophets, overtake your forefathers? Then they repented and said, The Lord Almighty has done to us what our ways and practices deserve, just as he determined to do. So far from chapter 1. Let's now read chapter 2, and this will be our text this morning. Zechariah 2. Then I, Zechariah, looked up, and there before me was a man with a measuring line in his hand. I asked, Where are you going? He answered me, To measure Jerusalem, to find out how wide and how long it is. Then the angel who was speaking to me left, and another angel came to meet him and said to him, Run, tell that young man, Jerusalem will be a city without walls because of the great number of men and livestock in it. And I myself will be a wall of fire around it, declares the Lord, and I will be its glory within. Come, come. Flee from the land of the north, declares the Lord, for I have scattered you to the four winds of heaven, declares the Lord. Come, O Zion, escape, you who live in the daughter of Babylon. For this is what the Lord Almighty says, after he has honored me and has sent me against the nations that have plundered you, for whoever touches you touches the apple of his eye. I will surely raise my hand against them so that their slaves will plunder them. Then you will know that the Lord Almighty has sent me. Shout and be glad, O daughter of Zion, for I am coming and I will live among you, declares the Lord. Many nations will be joined with the Lord in that day and will become my people. I will live among them and you will know that the Lord Almighty has sent me to you. The Lord will inherit Judah as his portion in the Holy Land and will again choose Jerusalem. Be still 
before the Lord, all mankind, because he has roused himself from his holy dwelling. Well, dear brothers and sisters in Christ, as you perhaps have guessed by now, I come from Australia, and in Australia we have this term, get amongst it. It's what we might say at the the start of a feast when all the food is laid out, we would say, get amongst it. Or it's what we might say when someone has a nice opportunity that comes their way, maybe the opportunity to join a hockey team, get amongst it, go for it. Well, this morning, the the gospel comes to us from from Zechariah 2, and it shows us an amazing picture of the church of Jesus Christ, and we could summarize the message with the same Aussie colloquialism, get amongst it. Because even if the church appears to be attacked, divided, hurting, yet she is the bride of Christ. She is his most precious possession. And Jesus Christ has died for his church, and through his spirit, he will always be present within his church. Always present, active, and working. And one day the church will be presented to him complete a great multitude of believers from every tribe and nation. This is the reality about the church. And this morning, God wants to remind us of that, to keep us looking onward and looking upward in faith. And so we'll summarize Zechariah 2 this morning with this title, The Lord Promises Great Things for His Church and Get Amongst It. First, we'll see that He will rebuild Jerusalem. And we'll see that he calls the exiles to return, and finally he calls his people to rejoice. So as we begin to look at this text, I want to ask you how you think about the church. Are you excited about the church? Are you excited to come here every week? Do you think the church is a place where there's lots of positive growth, with a vibrant community of believers? Well, perhaps this is how you think about the church. Or perhaps you're not so excited. Maybe to you, church seems somewhat stale. Membership has stagnated. The future of the church looks grim. You don't feel excited to come here every week. And maybe work in the church is daunting. If you think back over the past year and you look ahead to the next year, you're not excited about the future of the church. You hardly see the point because the hearts are still hard. The same sins exist. And the unchurched people around you just seem to ignore your presence in the community. Or how is it that you think about the church this morning? Because in Jerusalem in in the year 519 BC, there was plenty of reason for the Jews living there to be discouraged. You see, they've just come back from Babylon, from exile. But the task of rebuilding the temple and and rebuilding the city walls, it it was daunting. It was a huge task. They'd already rebuilt their own houses, but they'd only just started to rebuild the temple. It seemed too much. It would take too long. And besides, it was never going to be as good as as the Temple of Solomon anyway. And plus, Jerusalem itself wasn't a very nice city to be living in. There were many vacant lots, many abandoned buildings. In fact, Nehemiah 11 says that they cast lots for 10% of all the people in the surrounding villages to go and live in Jerusalem to try and fill the city up a bit. The city was pretty empty. And so the people were in Jerusalem, they were understandably pessimistic about the future of God's city. 
And maybe you felt this way as you've, you've faced a huge project, maybe the project of building a house or, or starting to learn to play a musical instrument. When you just begin, it, it seems to take so long. Sometimes it's overwhelming to think about the future of a big project. Well, the people in Jerusalem, they were discouraged, overwhelmed by the work that had to be done and pessimistic about the future. And this morning, God's word comes to us. It comes to us as it came to the Jews in to Jerusalem in 519 BC through Zechariah as he sees a vision. The first thing he sees in this vision, he looks up and he sees a man with a measuring line. A man, he's going to measure Jerusalem. You think of a construction worker as he begins to measure out a foundation with his measuring tape. Or a surveyor as he he goes to mark out the boundaries of, of a new subdivision. This is always where you start when you want to build something. You start by taking the measurements. And so the measuring tape, the measuring line, it showed that restoration is going to happen. God has taken out his measuring tape, so to speak. Jerusalem will be rebuilt. The project is underway. It's just like Jeremiah had foretold decades earlier. Jeremiah said in Jeremiah 31, The days are coming, declares the Lord, when the city shall be rebuilt for the Lord. Jeremiah's prophecy would be fulfilled. The city would be restored. Well, God has taken out his his measuring tape. And then another angel comes. And he tells Zachariah's angel, the one who he has been speaking with, to run and, and bring a message to this young man. We're not exactly sure who the young man was. Some say that it was Zechariah. Some say it was the man holding the measuring tape. And still others say it was the man holding the other end of the measuring tape. No one's really certain who this young man was, but we know the message that he brings. The message is that Jerusalem shall be inhabited as villages without walls because of the multitude of people and livestock in it. It's going to be a population explosion in Jerusalem. It's going to be a prosperous and populous city again. In fact, there's going to be a day, prophesies Zechariah, when Jerusalem would have so many people and animals that they couldn't even fit everyone inside the walls. This message must have really encouraged these people as they lived in the deserted city of Jerusalem. One day their city would again be heavily populated. There wouldn't be empty, vacant lots or abandoned buildings anymore. And in ancient times, having no walls, having no walls around a city was an extremely vulnerable position. It showed that they were an unprotected and a conquered city. But God says in verse 5, I will be to her a wall of fire all around, and I will be the glory in her midst. Even though they had no walls, God was going to protect them. The Lord, the almighty God who had protected them, as they went on their journey from Egypt out of the wilderness. Remember, boys and girls, how they were protected at night with the pillar of fire as God led them through the desert? Well, now he's going to protect them with a wall of fire. Maybe, boys and girls, you also remember the story of Elisha when he was in the city Dothan. And then the foreign king came and surrounded this city with horses and chariots and a great army. But Elisha wasn't afraid. And can you remember why he wasn't afraid? It was because surrounding this army of the foreign foreign army 
what the mountain itself was full of horses and chariots of fire, God's army. And at first the servant of Elisha couldn't see this big army surrounding. But then Elisha prayed, and then his servant's eyes were opened to also see this great divine protection. God surrounded that city with chariots of fire, and in a similar way, he would be to Jerusalem, a wall of fire. He would protect his city. As this is the meaning of Zechariah's vision, that God promises that Jerusalem would be populous, but he would also be protected. God is rebuilding Jerusalem. He's taken out his measuring tape, and he's busy working to make a prosperous city that he will always protect he wants his people to see that and to believe that with the eyes of faith. And brothers and sisters, this truth is, is the same today. Our God is working just like he was working then. He will make the church, not the Jerusalem, the city Jerusalem, but the Jerusalem above, the church of Jesus Christ. He will make her into a great population and he will protect her always. Jesus said to his disciples when he gave them the great commission to build the church, remember what he said. He said, all authority has been given on to me. So Jesus is able to protect his church. And then what does he say? He says, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Jesus will, with his church, abide. And he will do that with his spirit. His Holy Spirit, who would be with his people forever, as he says in John 14. We can read about that happening in Acts chapter 2, when the Spirit is poured out at Pentecost. Indeed, Luke shows us in Acts 2 that this prophecy of a prosperous city is already being fulfilled in Jerusalem. Luke says in, in Acts 2, he says, They were living in Jerusalem, devout men from every nation under heaven. He mentions a multitude of people. Sounds a little bit like the overflowing streets in Zechariah's vision, doesn't it? For Jerusalem, already in the time of Christ, is a prosperous city, just as Zechariah had foretold. God speaks, and it happens. But things will get even better than that. Because Christ says that the Spirit would empower His disciples to be His witnesses to the ends of the earth. He will always protect His church until that day when His church is complete. And there's a picture of what that will look like in, in the last book of the Bible, Revelation 7 where John has a vision, and John says, After this I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number, from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes, with palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne, and to the Lamb." Well, brothers and sisters, this is the glorious future of the church. Our Lord Jesus Christ will protect his church until this reality becomes true. We don't need to be discouraged. We don't need to be pessimistic. And nor did the Jews in 519 BC, Jerusalem would be populous and God would protect his city. And so today we can also believe that the church will be populous and God will protect her. Do you see this? With the eyes of faith. Well, that's the first part of the message that Zechariah brings, verse 1 to 5. And the second part of the message 
is that God calls his people to return to Jerusalem. He calls his people back to this city, which has this glorious future. Verse 6 to 9. Because the the vision is finished in verse 5, and in verse 6, now there's a switch. Now God speaks directly through his prophet in the form of an oracle, an address to his people, and he addresses the people who were still living in Babylon. Not everyone had returned to, to, to Jerusalem after the exile, but some had remained to stay behind at Babylon. And these are the people that God addresses in verse 6 to 9. And he says, Come, come, flee from the land of the north, declares the Lord, for I have scattered you to the four winds of heaven, declares the Lord. So these Jews who had stayed behind in Babylon, they hadn't wanted to be involved in rebuilding the, the ruins of their own city and become comfortable in Babylon They'd built their families there and and they didn't want to go back. But to these people, God says, it's time to come out of daughter Babylon. Come back to my city, Jerusalem. God had already prophesied through Isaiah in chapter 43. He said, do not fear for I am with you. I will bring your descendants from the east. I will gather you from the west. I will say to the north, give them up. And to the south, do not hold them back. Bring my sons from far away and my daughters from the ends of the earth. God calls his people back to Jerusalem from the four corners of the earth. Well, why? Why would they want to leave their their comfortable lives, the lives they've set up in Babylon, and go back to the city which has no walls? Why would they do that? Why would people want to live in the church of Jesus Christ? Well, verse 8, this is what the Lord Almighty says. After he has honored me and sent me against the nations that have plundered you, for whoever touches you touches the apple of his eye, I will surely raise my hand against them so that their slaves will plunder them. Well, there's a lot in those couple verses. Let's unpack that a little bit. First of all, it's worth noting that this is the Lord Almighty speaking. This is the Lord of hosts, the Lord of armies, the God who can fill the hills around the city with horses and chariots of fire. And remember, he's just promised to be a wall of fire to his city, to Jerusalem. This God, this God is calling his people back to Jerusalem. And he calls his people, did you notice that expression, the apple of his eye? The apple of his eye, that is the pupil, the most protected and the most special part of the eye, the most well-protected part. I'm sure that many of you, when you're, you're doing construction, you wear safety glasses because you want to protect your eyes. I remember that when I was a child, once in, in cutting onions for my mum, I put those big snorkeling goggles on my eyes because I wanted to protect them. I don't think it worked. I think I cried anyway. But you see the point. Our eyes are precious. We protect them. And this is what God's people are like for him. Apple of his eye. Most precious. Just like you protect your eyes with with safety glasses, so God will protect his people. Well, how is he going to do that? He will do that by shaking his hands or or shaking his fists, we might say, at the nations who plundered his people, verse 9. This goes back to the the second vision at the end of chapter 1. In that vision, God promises to punish the enemies of his people, the ones who had had brought them into exile in the first place and brought that punishment upon them. 
And so God calls his people to come out of Babylon. Judgment is coming to Babylon. God is going to shake his fist there. It's time to come out of there, Israel. In fact, for Israel, living in God's city, even though it has no walls, that's far safer than living in Babylon. And so it's time to come out of there. Israel, would you prefer to be the apple of God's eye or the object of his shaking fist? Well, dear brothers and sisters, today it is the church of Jesus Christ that is the apple of God's eye, his most treasured possession. Isn't that a a beautiful picture? The church of Jesus Christ is so dear and so valued to him. In the New Testament, we have the image of, of the bride, the church as the bride of Christ. His bride for whom he died, Ephesians 5, Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. We are the bride of Christ. He cares for us like the apple of his eye. And because of this truth, we are also called to to flee from Babylon. While we live in this world now, we are called also in some respects to flee from it. The church, it exists among the world. Yes, the wheat and the tares, they grow together. But the church must also be distinct from the world. Paul says in Ephesians 5, take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness. While we live in the world, we cannot compromise and live like unbelievers. This point is made very clear in Revelation 18. In language which actually alludes to Zechariah 2, Revelation 18, John sees a vision where Babylon has fallen. Fallen, fallen is Babylon the great. Just like in Zechariah 2 where God shakes his fists, his hands at Babylon. Judgment is coming for this Babylon, for the world who does not acknowledge the rule of Christ. And then we read in Revelation 18, 4, Then I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people, lest you take part in her sins, lest you share in her plagues, for her sins are heaped high as heaven, and God has remembered her iniquities. Come out of her, my people. That's the call of God. Well, the call is clear, isn't it? That God wants us, his church, he wants us as his precious possession to be devoted to him, to be holy, to come out of Babylon. Judgment is coming for Babylon. So flee from works of darkness, from unrighteousness. And if you're living in Babylon this morning, if you're not fleeing from those unfruitful works of darkness, you know them. Well, God calls you to flee this morning. Judgment is coming. Flee Babylon. Instead, find refuge in God's well-protected city, his church. And let's all of us help each other to flee from those unfruitful works of darkness and to take no part in them. This is the word that God has for his people living in Babylon. It's time to return to Jerusalem, to this city which has such a great future. Further, we'll also see that God has a word now to speak to the Jews who are living in Jerusalem. Those Jews who who are discouraged and who have just started that big project of rebuilding the temple and God's word to this people, we'll see this in the third part of our message, is to rejoice. Verse 10 to 13. 
The scene shifts again to Jerusalem. The people no longer need to be pessimistic, but instead God calls them to rejoice. Why can they rejoice when the temple of God is still in ruins? They rejoice by faith in God's promises. Verse 10, Shout and be glad, O daughter of Zion, for I am coming and I will live among you, declares the Lord. God was going to live among them, God with them, Emmanuel. This promise was fuel for their work of rebuilding the temple. God was going to come and dwell among them. This is exactly what the temple was pointing to, the reality that the temple pointed to. God with us, Emmanuel. Zephaniah 3, The Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. God with his people. That's reason to rejoice, isn't it? We see in verse 11, that the God is going to dwell with the people gathered from, from all nations. Many nations shall join themselves to the Lord from that day and shall be my people. Well, right now, Jerusalem is a city with no walls. It's a city that still looks very conquered as, as the people hear these words from Zechariah. But it would become a worldwide center for all nations. Just as God promised to Abraham in Genesis 12, Perhaps you remember the promise that God made to Abram when he called him to live as his child. He said, In you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Zechariah 2 echoes this great promise that was given to Abraham. All the nations would live in Jerusalem. And Paul shows us that this promise is already being fulfilled in Jesus Christ. He says in Ephesians 2 that Christ is the cornerstone of the church because he has broken down the barriers between Jew and Gentile. He is the cornerstone. And so in him, the whole structure being built together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. A holy temple which includes Jews and Greeks. In him you also are being built into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. The church with all the nations, is a dwelling place for God. And so the church is built on Christ. All nations come to Him as Savior, and the church is the very place where God lives with His Spirit. Brothers and sisters, this is reason for us to rejoice. It's already started to happen at Pentecost, when God's Spirit was poured out on the church and people from many nations heard the gospel. In fact, we see it happening throughout the book of Acts, as Christ guides his church through his spirit and the message of salvation continues to spread to the ends of the earth. God is with his church. Just as Jesus said, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. God who in his son came to dwell with, the, with us. We'll be hearing more about that truth this week. We get to celebrate it this time of the year. God who in his son came to dwell with us. He will never leave his church. The bridegroom has died for his bride and he will not forsake her. And further, we even have the Spirit of God already living in our hearts. 2 Corinthians 6, we are the temple of the living God. God with us right in our hearts. The Spirit lives in our hearts and so we have a taste of the new Jerusalem already now. And then in that great day on the new Jerusalem... God will dwell with us fully. Revelation 21, John says, I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down 
out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne and saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with him and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. That's what it's going to be like in the New Jerusalem. That's the glorious future of the church. That's the promise that we are called this morning to embrace in faith. And finally, as we finish, I want to draw your attention to verse 13. Be still before the Lord, all mankind, because he has roused himself from his holy dwelling. You know, this work of Christ to gather a church for himself, to protect the church as the pupil of his eye, the work of God to gather all nations into his church, this is a work that has cosmic significance. Be silent, all mankind. The church is not something that exists on a, on a lonely corner of the planet while the rest of earth dwellers do their thing. No, God has roused himself for his work. Everyone's going to know about it. Even if the church seems small today, know that God is rousing himself. And so all flesh are to be silent. Everyone must submit to him, the Lord of heaven and earth. One day every knee will bow to Jesus. Some will bow in adoration and some despite fearful protest. Some who are the pupil of his eye, his most treasured possession Others who will face the shaking of his fist, his fearful wrath. And so as we finish, brothers and sisters, I want to ask you how you think about the church of Jesus Christ. Are you discouraged, pessimistic about the future of the church? And perhaps there are valid reasons for you to feel similar to the Jews in Jerusalem, the Jews that Zacharias spoke to. Well, they sat in, in their deserted city. There was little reason for them to hope. And yet, how they must have been encouraged when they heard this vision. When they were reminded of God's good purposes, God had taken out his measuring tape and he had started building. We see this truth already fulfilled in the time of Jesus when Jerusalem was populous. God is working. Today we can be encouraged with this same truth. Our God is working. You can see it happening on a global scale. There are churches all around the world today. Think of how many languages are praising God on this Sunday in worship. Our God is working, and we can also see that on a local scale, right here in Wellenport. He is working with His Spirit among all of us, among you. Each of you has a story in which God is working, and He is working to unite us more and more into His truth. And so this morning, God calls you to believe in his great gospel promises from Zechariah 2. The church is his most treasured possession, the pupil of his eye, the bride of Jesus Christ. He has died for her. He will always be present with her. He is gathering the nations into her to be part of that great and glorious city, which will be the new Jerusalem. God has roused himself. It's happening he has promised great things for his church. Get amongst it. Amen. Let's pray. O Lord, God Almighty, you have roused yourself from your holy dwelling. You are at work in marvelous ways. We praise you.
Help us to grasp the plans you have for us, your people. Continue to work in us here, your church in Wellenport. Work in us with your spirit. Bind us in truth. Build us up in love for each other. And may we truly be a light to those who live in our community. May many be drawn in to join us and worship you. You are worthy of all glory and praise and honor. Amen.